ability for the morning. Get those tabs started. Pass it down to your friends and neighbors down the aisle. And this is for everyone, visitors and members alike. And we would greatly appreciate it. Uh, several different announcements. A couple. I love the fact that on a weekly basis now, I am getting to make announcements pertaining to youth ministry. That is just fun. I like that. Youth group meets today. Note the new time. It's from 4 to 6 here at the church. And that gives you more time to do things outside, have some fun, do all that, as well as the lesson. See Travis Skilling's dad. I like the fact that Travis and Ellen are trying different seats out, by the way. Last week I was looking this way. Travis, raise your hand. He's the guy back here in the back corner. And he, you could ask him questions about that, as well as communicants class that we have coming up. Travis will be leading that. That is, if you are a non-communing youth member and are interested in learning more, haven't, uh, you know, in a sense been admitted to full membership by the session yet, and are interested in learning more about the faith, that's what that's all about. They're going to be meeting on Friday evenings beginning on the 27th of January. Again, see Travis if you have any questions regarding that. Uh, later in the service, we'll be doing our installation of the members of the Women's Ministry Leadership Team. And so we will be doing that a little later in the service. And I want you to take note of a special community-wide event uh, that's going to be hosted here on Monday evening, January the 30th. The doors will open at 6 o'clock. The event begins at 6.30. And that is our guest speaker will be Bob Delaney. And he will be speaking on the topic of trauma. And it's a very, it's a sensitive issue, and it's also a very, very significant and important issue. It, this event is hosted by our women's ministry, but it's also an outreach event. It's part of what we want to show our, our care for the community, invite everyone in. And so it's 6.30 on the 30th of January, and so we want you to be aware of that. Everyone is invited and it's a free event. So those are some of the things. There are other announcements that you can look at uh, in your own time during, you know, later on today, hopefully not during the sermon, I would love. And <laughs> I would appreciate that. But a lot of different things going on in the life of the church. And so now as we hear the prelude, let's quiet our hearts. I don't know about you, but I know I oftentimes come in, I feel joyful, I even feel reverent, but sometimes it can be hectic. You know, we've gone from Sunday school, and you're greeting people, and you're busy, and you're doing this. And I know for my own soul, I need to be still. I need to be quiet. And what we're about to do in worship, where we are attentive to hearing God's truth from his word and adoring him and finding him beautiful and worshiping him. And so let's be still and know that he is God.
call to worship this morning comes from Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Father in heaven, may we gather together to make a joyful noise to you, joining with the earth in adoring you and proclaiming your greatness in worshiping and extolling your holy name. May we come into your presence with singing, knowing that you are the sovereign, merciful God, that we belong to you, we do not belong to ourselves, and that we are here to worship you. We are yours, we are your people, the sheep of your pasture. So we look to you to lead us, to guide us, to nurture us, to preserve us. We invoke your name to join with us as we praise you. And we come before you through the one and only mediator, the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Friends, let us stand together singing praise to God, singing, How Great Thou Art.
That hymn reminds me that our lives are meant to revolve completely around the fame and the awesomeness and the beauty and the wonder of who God is. But if we're honest, and that's a key phrase, if we're honest, let's not assume we're always honest with ourselves. If we're honest, our lives too often revolve around ourselves, maybe in very good things. We're living for our families, we're trying to make others happy, we are concerned about our own felt needs. David prayed what I think is one of the most daring prayers in the scripture in Psalm 139 when he prays, search me, O God, and know my heart. Now just begin to parse that for a second. He's inviting the omniscient Lord to search him and expose to him not just where he broke the rules, but his heart, the subtle ways he lives in denial, the ways he protects himself, the ways he lives to make himself look good. He says, try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Let's spend a, spend a few moments personally engaging with the Lord. Ask the Lord to search your heart, knowing that freedom, joy, confidence is never found living for ourselves, but only found living out of the grace of God and truly living with God at the center of our life. In a few moments, I will lead us in and we will pray this corporate confession of sin together. Let's pray. Friends, let us pray together. O oh God, cleanse me a sinner, for I have done nothing good before thee. Deliver me from the evil one, and may thy will be in me, that I might open my unworthy lips without condemnation and praise thy holy name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, now and ever and unto ages of ages. Amen. Friends, receive the grace of God and the assurance of pardon. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. Think about that. What is the purpose of forgiveness? It is the very thing. It's the grace of God that propels us to worship, to the, the fear of the Lord, to the reverence of of God. Friends, I pray that every single one of us here today knows and trusts Jesus Christ and can live for the worship of God. I would like to invite the following women to join me up here on the stage. Sue Burmeister, Rhonda Manus, Laura Terry, Carol Johansson, and Karen Tepper. Now, I am speaking to all of us, but particularly to the women of the church. These are, and I'm always tweaking titles, Sue. Do you ever, you ever figure that? Yeah, I think so. Okay. <laughs> I like to think on the fly here a little bit. 
We call this your women's ministry leadership team, but this is truly your servant leaders because they are here and they do a phenomenal job of serving the needs of the women of the church and equipping the women of the church to not only serve the church, use your gifts for the benefit of the church, but the community as well. And so we are here this morning, a combination of recommissioning those who've been involved in women's leadership, as well as installing for their positions. But first, I want to say a word of thank you to Lynn Folks and Renee Benzer, who have served for the past two years, one year, five years. Lynn, what, 22 years, something? <laughs> they have done a phenomenal job serving the women of the church and serving this church. And so by kind of the rules that we all follow, they are rolling off for a period of time. They may come back on in the future. Who knows in terms of that? But this is your women's ministry leadership team. Now, the women's ministry, by the way, is every woman in the church. All of the women of the church are part of the women's ministry. And when you come and you visit and we reach out, we, are incorporate, we want to incorporate the women of the community into women's ministry. So now I have the following questions that I want to ask you all that you are taking in the presence of God. Do you believe the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments to be the word of God, the only infallible rule of faith and practice? And do you have an understanding of the function and responsibilities of the office to which you have been elected? And do you promise to faithfully perform all the duties of this office as unto the Lord? And will you support the officers, the goals and activities of the women's ministry with your presence, your prayers, and your physical and mental energies? And now this is to the women of the church. Do you gratefully acknowledge the willingness of these women to serve you and Lake Oconee Presbyterian Church in their elected capacities? I had to think about that for a second. <laughs> and secondly, will you support these officers with your cooperation, encouraging words and prayers? And to the congregation, of Lake Oconee Presbyterian Church. Will you support and encourage the ministry of the women in the church? And so now I declare that these women have been duly elected and installed as women's ministry leaders of Lake Oconee Presbyterian Church. Stay here. Stay here. We are truly blessed to have such a vibrant and vital women's ministry here at LOPC. And we do want to, I, I love in some of these that we would offer encouraging. I almost wanted to add in the middle of that and life-giving words to one another. It is such a significant ministry and we truly are blessed. Let us pray for these women and pray for the ministry going forward. Father, we thank you. We thank you for these women. We thank you for their willingness to step forward and to be servant leaders. I think of Jesus when he was teaching his disciples about the nature of leadership, and he said that we don't lead as the world leads. The world's all about power. But instead, we come as servants. And then he said, for even the Son of Man has come not to be served, but to serve, to give his life as a ransom for many. So, Father, I thank you for these women and their taking on this servant's role to serve the women of the church and the women's ministry here at LOPC. We pray, Father, for your strengthening them, strengthening their hearts in the grace of God, giving them more and deeper understanding of the gospel of grace each and every day that you'd protect them from dismay and discouragement, that you would work in their lives, cultivating the fruit of the Spirit in their lives, 
that we would offer them support and encouragement and our prayers. Protection from Satan, protection from the evil one. Give them wisdom, give them innovation, give them creativity as they think about how to serve the needs of women, how to be life-giving, that this would continue to be a vibrant and vital ministry. We thank you for their hearts, their love, their servanthood, their leadership. We pray your blessing upon them. Holy Spirit, do come. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Friends, let's continue to worship, standing together and singing in Christ alone. suppress and forget the wonderful truths of God. And we all need to remember the gospel. So think about these words. Part of our singing together is we're singing these great doctrines. We're singing truth, not only to God, but to one another. No guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, 
Jesus commands my destiny. I think it was R.C. Sproul who, in speaking about the sovereignty of God, said, there is no such thing as a maverick molecule. Jesus commands our destiny. So no matter what we're going through this morning, maybe we come in here and we're excited. You know, Georgia won back-to-back national championships, whatever it might be. The New York Giants are in the playoffs for the first time in six years. We're feeling really good. Or we're really, and I'm not making light of anything, we're really struggling and we're hurting. We're feeling uncertain about something. Let's call as we go to the Lord in a time of prayer, as we pray together the Lord's Prayer, the prayer Jesus taught us to pray. And as I lead us in prayer, let's remember these great truths of God. Let's remember, ask God to help us to remember that He commands our destiny. Let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Father, you are in heaven ruling and reigning over all things. There is such comfort in the fact and in the truth and in the reality of your sovereignty, of your lordship, of your kingship, and of the fact that if we are in Christ, we have been adopted into your family. That through Jesus Christ, we belong to you. You are our Father who art in heaven. And we pray, we wrestle to hallow your name. We wrestle to set apart your name as unique, as holy. And we long for the coming of your kingdom. This world is not as it should be. It's not as it ought to be. And we long for you to put the world to rights. We long for the return of Christ where everything will be made right. And we ask that you would help us to do your will, replicating the life of heaven in all that we do on earth. And Lord, we are in need this day of our daily bread whether that's physical, spiritual, relational, we ask that we would depend upon you for everything. And so we think about brothers and sisters who are hurting. Lord, this morning I am mindful to pray for Sue and Bill Burmeister's grandson Benjamin as he faces heart surgery tomorrow. Ask that you would be with the doctors, that you would be with the nurses, that you would be with the family, that we would know Jesus commands our destiny. That you would give us the ability to be still and know that you are God. We continue to pray for Bill and Miranda Bonner and Tom and Susan Porter and for any who are hurting, any who are sick, any who are going through difficult times, facing trial, facing affliction. We pray for those who in recent months have faced loss, who have lost loved ones. We lift them before you. We pray for Glenn Kendall recovering from knee surgery. And Lord, we pray there are many unspoken requests. There are many things that I'm not aware of, many things we're not aware of. We all bring our burdens on our heart. May we cast our cares upon the Lord because He cares for us. And so Lord, we pray as we've confessed our sins earlier in the service, we ask that you forgive us our debts. Help us to be a gracious people with one another. And that we would grow in holiness, being led not into temptation, but delivered from evil and delivered specifically from the evil one who would cause us harm, who roars around, prowls around like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. Again, we need help remembering eternal truths. We're here in worship to praying, Holy Spirit, bring to our minds, quicken us with the truth of God. And part of the truth is we have an enemy who hates the things of God and hates the people of God. And so we need protection. And Lord, in every aspect of our ministry, 
Help us to remember and boast in You that Yours is the kingdom, Yours is the power, and Yours is the glory forever. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I feel like I say this every week after the choir 
has sung. There can be no better lead-in to the ministry of the Word. I'm even up here kind of taking a deep breath, trying to pray, may I decrease and may Christ, and in all His glory, in His greatness, and the greatness of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, increase. I want to see nothing more in my own life as well as in the lives of our congregation and this community. The name of God be famous and be renowned. Friends, we are continuing to go through Paul's letter to the Romans, quite an excursion. We are on now chapters 9 through 11, which as I began to explain last week and will explain again, is not a parenthesis or not a bracket, so to speak. It is absolutely essential to the theme of the letter. And if you have Bibles, I'd invite you to turn with me to Romans chapter 9, verses 6 to 13. That is the reading upon which our teaching is based this morning. Romans chapter 9, verses 6 to 13. Friends, I invite you now to hear the word of the Lord. But it is not as though the word of God has failed. For not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel. And not all are children of Abraham because they are his offspring. But through Isaac shall your offspring be named. This means that it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as offspring. For this is what the promise said. About this time next year I will return and Sarah shall have a son. And not only so, but also when Rebekah had conceived children by one man, our forefather Isaac, though they were not yet born and had done nothing, either good or bad, in order that God's purpose of election might continue, not because of works, but because of his call, she was told, the older will serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Would you pray with me? The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord stands forever. In many ways, this may appear to be a difficult text, and I ask, Father, that you would give us Holy Spirit to bring not only understanding, but application to our minds, to our hearts, to our lives, that we would grow in grace and cultivate the fruit of the Spirit as you intend in our lives. Father, may we submit to your word, even where it's difficult and even where we kind of don't get some things. We pray for surrender and submission of hearts. Holy Spirit, you are our teacher. Whether it's I, the messenger, or us, the hearers, may we together come under the authority of your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, if we're honest, we all have to admit we all struggle with the issue of trust. I remember when I was seven years old, I'm not sure if I told you this story or not. If I did, forgive me. If not, we'll all hear it, you know, you're hearing it for the first time. Seven years old, it was April of 1969. See that? I've just told you how old I am. And of course, what happens in April? And don't say the Masters. I know the Masters happens in April. But do you know what else happens in April? The beginning of baseball season. And here I am, seven years old, and I'm having my tonsils out. So it's the very first time for me going to a hospital, being away from mom and dad, being away from my parents, and spending, back then, a night or two, I don't remember how many nights I had to be, but had to be in the hospital. Now, my mom and dad are prepping me for this. They're telling me, Jeff, it's going to be okay. Not only will everybody take care of you, you're going to get ice cream, and it's going to be good, and all of that. Truthfully, I didn't care about any of that. You know what I wanted to know? The box scores of the baseball games that were starting. It was the beginning of New York Yankees season. I've got to know how they're doing night by night. Now, of course, this is before the age of internet, before our digital age. This is 1969. No such thing yet as internet and all of that kind of stuff. Anybody remember actual print newspapers? 
So here's mom and dad leaving me off at the hospital. I'm getting ready for surgery, being prepped. And they're saying, you know, son, we're praying for you. What can we give? Bring? All I want is a newspaper. Bring me the paper the next morning. Okay, we will do that. Here's where trust comes in. You would have thought I would have trusted mom and dad, right? Not this guy. I asked every nurse, every doctor, every anesthesiologist, the candy striper, the one who brought me the ice cream. I'm like, leave the ice cream. Do you have the sports page? The next morning, I probably had nine sports pages in front of me. And I was thankful. We have to be honest, we all struggle with trust. We say, oh, I trust you. There's a reason I had us in our confession section read, search me, O God, and know my heart. I challenge you this morning to be thinking about those areas where we doubt God. Where we say we trust Him, but do we really? The honesty of the man in the Gospels who said, Lord, I believe, help me overcome my unbelief. That's a very true prayer. Now, what does this have to do with the passage before us this morning, Romans chapter 9, verses 6 to 13? Well, let's review for a moment. The overall theme of the entire letter of Romans is, as it says in chapter 1, verse 17, the revelation of the righteousness of God. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God, the very dunamis, the dynamite of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, something is manifested, something is displayed, something is put out for all to see. That something is the righteousness of God. In other words, God's faithfulness and trustworthiness. He will accomplish what he said he would accomplish and what he has set out to accomplish. Remember I said earlier, Romans 9 to 11 is essential to this overall message of the letter, this exposition of the gospel of God. Remember chapter 8 ended with Paul's describing exuberantly the fact that the blessings ascribed to Israel in the Old Testament are ascribed to the church. He said, for I am convinced, for I know, for I am sure that neither death nor life, angels nor demons, the present nor the future, height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Which leads Paul to raise the question, so to speak, have the promises simply been transferred to the church and is ethnic Israel left outside? Remember we looked at last week the fact that he says, and he prays, he said, let my name in a sense be blotted from the book of life. May I be accursed. In other words, he's saying, count me, Lord, as not even your child. Count me, Lord, as not even belonging to you, as not even being a Christian for the sake of my kinsmen. And so in other words, he is simply, he's going, has the church simply replaced Israel? And the simple and direct answer to that is no which is where we have left off for today. So what is going on? Has God's word failed? Is, he, is God trustworthy? Can God be counted on? Is God faithful? And Paul is addressing that, where he says in verse 16, in verse 6, excuse me, but it is not as though the word of God has failed. See, that is his thesis. God's word is true, and God is trustworthy. But all of us, to make this practical, to make this relevant, have to recognize we all struggle with trust. We all struggle, and we need to know that God's word is true and trustworthy. And see, how do we learn it? See, here's the proposition for this morning's message. We need to understand the story of grace in order to give ourselves to the purpose of grace. God's story has a trajectory, so to speak, and that trajectory is grace. God's word has not failed, 
And God's story is a story of grace. God's word is a revelation of grace. So let's look at it under these two headings. The story of grace and the purpose of grace. So what's Paul doing here? He's doing what many did in his day. He's telling the story of his people, the Israelites. A story that his readers would be intimately familiar with. One commentator noted, Jewish thinkers in his day often retold the story of Israel, beginning with Abraham, or sometimes even with Adam, in order to explain the whole sequence of God's actions in their history up to the present day. Paul is doing something similar. Here he tells from one surprising angle the story of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, as well as Ishmael and Esau, in order to explain what the map, God's word of promise, had in mind all along. Friends, just to be practical with you for one moment, this is one of the reasons why I provide us with a community Bible reading plan to read through the Bible, to understand the story, because it, there is no way you are going to understand the New Testament if we don't understand the story of God through the Old Testament. It's kind of like in The Lord of the Rings, where Sam Gamgee, Frodo's best friend, says to Frodo, I wonder what sort of tale we've fallen into. Dan Allender has written a book, it's, be, it's called To Be Told, and he says, this is an accurate description of life. God is constantly writing our story. But he doesn't send us the next chapter to be read in advance. Instead, we all read backward. We read backward, finding the meaning in our stories as we read what God has already written. Life is a story that unfolds in such a way that we can't see very far ahead. God is a master storyteller. In fact, his word, the Bible, is both a revelation of God himself and a revelation of God's story, the gospel. So Paul is inviting us to say, let's read backwards. Let's look at the surprising story of grace. And where does Paul begin? He begins with Abraham. He says, for not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel. And not all are children of Abraham because they are his offspring. But through Isaac shall your offspring be named. This means that it is not the children of the flesh who are children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as offspring. For this is what the promise said. About this time next year I will return and Sarah shall have a son. Have you ever noticed that stories can sometimes be surprising? Well, here's the first surprise. Not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel. Okay, Paul, you're confusing me now. There are two Israels? Yeah, in a sense. That's what he's saying. Not all are children of Abraham. Why? What's going on in the story? Well, and here he quotes Galatians 4. He says, through Isaac, your offspring will be named. You know what Paul is doing there? And this is why you have to be familiar with the Old Testament. He is reviewing for them the story and the history of Isaac and Ishmael. So what is he teaching? He's teaching precisely this, that at the heart of Abraham's story, true descent from Abraham is not physical, but spiritual. Abraham's true children are not those with an impeccable Jewish genealogy, but those who believe as Abraham believed and obey as Abraham obeyed. Paul says you cannot claim to belong to Abraham unless you belong to Christ. In other words, true Israel is God's family made up of both ethnic, biological Jewish, as well as Gentiles, but God's family in Christ. So he reviews this history of Isaac and Ishmael saying this double descent from Abraham, false and true, false being the literal and physical, true being the spiritual, is illustrated in these two sons, Isaac and Ishmael. Both had Abraham as their father, but there were two differences. One, they were born of different mothers. Ishmael was born into slavery, 
Isaac was born into freedom. So in other words, and here's the second thing, different circumstances gave rise to their birth. And these two differences between Abraham's sons, that Ishmael was born a slave according to nature, while Isaac was born free according to promise, what we learn of this, what the lesson of the story of grace from this is this. Everyone is a slave by nature until by the grace of the gospel he is set free. John chapter 8 verse 34 says, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Meaning by nature we are born in bondage. We are born in bondage to sin and to ourselves. That's our natural self. That's what being true to yourself really means. If you want to be true to yourself, it means you've turned away from God and you're born in bondage to sin. That means and we have to learn to read the Bible through these lenses. Everyone is either an Ishmael or an Isaac. You either still what you are by nature or you are only set free by the grace of God. And that leads Paul to keep going in the story. And that brings us to Isaac and Rebekah's children, Jacob and Esau. And he picks up, he says, not only so, continuing the story, but also when Rebekah had conceived children by one man, our forefather Isaac, though they were not yet born and had done nothing either good or bad. They haven't accomplished a thing yet. Talk about it not being according to works. They've done nothing, either good or bad, but in order that God's purpose of election might continue. Not because of works, but because of his call, she was told the older will serve the younger. So what is he doing now? Now he's alluding back to Genesis 25 and the birth of Isaac and Rebekah's sons, Jacob and Esau. Genesis 25, which says, And the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb. So not only these two boys, but they re represent two peoples. Two peoples from within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other. The older shall serve the younger. And here's the main point of the passage. The two sons are the founders of two great nations. By sovereign election, God declares that the promised line would belong to Jacob, the younger son. Not by natural order, not by achievement, not by success, not by heritage, but by, and here's this controversial, mysterious word, but by election. And what is the point of election? Grace. This is the story of grace. This is not the story. Here's all the things we do when we like to debate this. See, is election true? Absolutely. But notice what is not being mentioned here. This is not debating and arguing about fairness or about justice or injustice, or certainly not about feeling superior. See, even the name Jacob was apparently chosen to retain the memory of this unusual activity of the infant. Jacob meant heel grabber. And if you know anything about Jacob's life, do you think Jacob was chosen because somehow he was a good guy? That he was elected by God because God was kind of looking down and saying, there's a future leader that we can put our hopes in. Man, look at that guy. He's going to lead the people well. Jacob was a deceiver. Jacob was a scoundrel. Jacob teaches us that salvation can't be by any other thing but by grace. Because no one was less qualified to belong, let alone lead the family of God, than Jacob the heel grabber. And yet by God's election, Jacob is the one who is chosen. And I understand election is a controversial teaching, but it is clearly taught in the Bible. Doesn't mean that we understand everything concerning it concerning it, or that there isn't a great deal of mystery. Read John Calvin, and he would talk about how one of his favorite verses in the Bible was Deuteronomy 29, 29, that says, the secret things belong to the Lord, 
but the things revealed belong to us and our children forever. That means there are secret things. There are things we're going to say, but what about, and God's going to say, uh-uh, I'm not telling you. And you want to know why? Because God is God. I remember Jack Miller, who founded World Harvest Mission, would say, and oftentimes, think to himself, whether it was on one of these teachings or, or God teaching him something in his own life, he would sit there and say, who in the world does God think he is anyway? And he would say, the answer would always come back into his consciousness, God. And what do the scriptures say? God is God and he does whatever pleases him. But here's one thing that is absolutely clear. Election is always connected with grace. That means if the things revealed belong to us, do you know what God wants us to remember? Do you know what God wants us to focus on? Do you know what God wants us to obsess over? Grace. Not free will, not fairness, not who does God choose and who God doesn't choose, but the wonder, the magnitude, the scope, the beauty, the mystery of divine grace. The purpose of God putting this in the Bible is to get us to forget ourselves and to humble us before him. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. That is the story of grace. But what does that lead to? See, the more we understand the story of grace, the more this leads ourselves to give ourselves to the purpose of grace. See, what is the purpose of grace and what is the purpose of of election. And again, we have to go back to the beginning and understand the story and understand the calling of Abraham. And this brings us back to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12 is the calling of Abraham. And remember what it says here in Romans 9. Not all who are born physically, biologically of Abraham are the children of Abraham. The children of Abraham is the family of God in Christ. So here is God saying to Abraham, I will make you a great nation. Here's this family. It will be a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and, in, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Did you catch that? Abraham, after being the recipient of grace, becomes the mediator of grace. And to whom? The nations. All peoples. Remember, the purpose of discovering our story is to see how it fits into God's story. And God's story is always for his people to be the agent of redemption or blessing for the nations. In other words, the vocation, the purpose of election in our lives is mission. God has not chosen us so that we can feel somehow better about ourselves. God has chosen us for the life of the world to be the agents by which God's message of grace gets told to the community. That is the point of being Israel. That is the point of election. That is the point of the purpose of grace. See, that's even the point of this final quote that he does when he says in these words, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. I wonder how many of us know or recognize that what Paul here is quoting is something from Malachi chapter 1. In other words, Paul is not, Paul is not saying God has some sort of problem emotionally with Esau. God's not saying, oh yeah, Jacob I love, Esau I hated. Like God's some sort of petulant emotion. No, not at all. What it then is the theological point? And one commentator, I think, quite rightly puts it when he says, we should reflect on what Malachi himself meant when he said that God loved Jacob but hated Esau. There is no question that God had done remarkable things for Israel, Jacob's family, while Edom, who was the family of Esau, had collapsed into insignificance. But the point that Malachi is making was that this now increased the responsibility and culpability of Israel. The thrust is not, 
you are so special, you can sit back and take it easy. It is always, you are special. Who and why are you taking God for granted? Failing to honor him and ignoring your call to carry forward his purposes. God's choice never results in easy, automatic superiority. Much is expected of those to whom much is given. The purpose of election is mission. That's why the church is here. That's why we are the reimagined, renewed, reformed Israel. To carry the wonder and the mystery and the beauty of grace to the world. We are here to be a blessing to Lake Oconee. That's why we exist. If we don't bless Lake Oconee, God might as well shut our doors. Because that is the reason we are here. We exist to be the bearer, the carrier of the message of grace to the world. That's why we are loved. That's why Christ died to reconcile us to himself, to bring us to himself. See, God's word has not failed. The question is, do we understand the story of grace? Do we understand the story of God's word? And have we and are we giving ourselves to the purpose of grace? Father, we thank you. There, there are a lot of deep truths here. But what it comes down to is that you have chosen and elected and adopted a people and trusting to them, making us stewards of the reality and the message of the gospel. That our vocation, our call, is to bring the gospel to the world. For the life of the world, we exist. For the life of the world, we are in Christ to bring Christ to the world. Help us to understand more your story of grace and give ourselves to the purpose of grace and to know that you are faithful, that you are trustworthy, that your word is true, and that your word has not failed, your purposes are being accomplished. Increase our faith, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing, Great is Thy Faithfulness.
friends, now receive the Lord's benediction. May the love of God the Father, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now, this week, and forevermore. Amen.